the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. But joining me now, Chris Siaccia, tech editor for thestreet.com. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. How are you doing today? Doing well. It's good to hear your voice again, uh, you always bring up topics that are interesting uh, to me, which is going to be interesting to our audience because we're so tech-heavy out here in the Bay Area. But uh, Tesla was brought up recently, and uh, I think it was during a conference call. Someone asked Tesla, kind of like, hey, could you do that whole Uber thing? And it, you wrote an article on it. Tell us what you came up with. Yeah, an analyst at Morgan Stanley asked Elon a very interesting question on whether instead of selling you know, Model S is directly to Uber because Uber's CEO has come out and said that he wants to buy, you know, the autonomous version of the Model S, whether Tesla would consider, you know, skipping Uber and just going straight to the consumer. And Elon kind of danced around that question, didn't really answer it. Um, so Morgan Stanley seems to think that, you know, down the line, Morgan or Tesla is going to build their own version of an Uber, which caused him to raise the price target by uh, around $100 or so, making it the highest on Wall Street. So there is the potential that Tesla decides to take on Uber, you know, in the next couple of years. Now, what do you think that'll look like? Because Tesla's got their fingers everywhere right now. They're building a gigafactory. They're getting a new SUV ready. They're ramping up the Model S. Um, they've got the the home unit that you can now start buying to recapture your own energy and sell it back to the energy companies or use it yourself when it's cheaper for you to use it than for the energy company to provide it. Do you think they got a little too much going on or too much speculation, or is this all in their scope? No, I, I think it's all in their scope. I think it's all intertwined. I don't think the their own version of an Uber is going to come anytime soon, probably not anytime before 2018 or 2019 which would then I feel like almost kind of put them at a, a little bit of a disadvantage if Uber becomes this enormous company as we all think it will be. Um, but for right now, I think they're, they're, you know, they're going through some growing pains um, like any young company, especially a young auto company is. But I don't think it's related to the fact of having too many, uh, too many pots in the kitchen. I think it's just simply the fact that, you know, building a car is hard and, you know, they're learning as they go, and there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. And the energy business is ancillary to what they've been doing, you know, for the past dozen or so years. So it's not, 
and it doesn't take you know an extra skill set or permanent uh, expert addition of expertise to what they're doing with cars. So it's just something that's ancillary, and, and it's going to generate a whole bunch of revenue for them, according to Elon. Anything else inside this Tesla story that we need to flesh out? I think that if Elon is, and Tesla are really serious about going up against Uber, uh, I think it needs to happen before 2018 or 2019 uh, because Uber has this enormous network of drivers that have their own cars already. There's no real reason for them to go out and buy the Model 3 or, or Model S or whatever Tesla decides to make uh, available for autonomous. So if they're going to do something, they need to do it quick. Otherwise, it's going to be a missed opportunity for them. You've also recently penned a piece tied towards Time Warner and tied towards Apple Television. We've kind of heard through the media that Apple Television might not be happening as far as the product of a streaming service. What are you learning on all this? I think that it, when, if and when the service does come out, which I'm hearing you know, probably early or middle next year in, in 2016, that it's really going to be beneficial for companies and the media companies that have sports and there are no better companies that have sports that I can think of than Time Warner and Disney. Time Warner really benefit because, you know, they have two channels that that cater to both baseball and basketball in TNT and TBS. ESPN is, you know, you know the the golden child for sports, but TNT and TBS have really been amping up their sports coverage. You know, they they lost NASCAR, which is which is a little bit of a drawback. But they've also added, um, you know, this enormous basketball contract that'll last, you know, for several years. So, you know, assuming Apple does get into the streaming business, you know, I would suspect that TNT and TBS will be two of the bigger channels uh, that are part of the service along with ESPN. What do you think is happening right now in television with the whole carriage fees and the way you and I grew up on television, we started with three networks, and then there was a fourth network. Um, then there was 500 networks. What do you think it's going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years? In five years, I think it's not going to look too much different than what it looks like now. Maybe we'll see some consolidation. A few smaller channels might go by the wayside. Ten years is anybody's guess. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I think we'll see – you know, the, the continuation of on-demand viewing happening, I think we'll start to see some more a la carte um, viewing, you know, services like Sling and whatever Apple does with their service and Sony View, and I'm sure eventually Google will get into the game as well, will, uh, will be more prevalent than they have been in the past. These so-called skinny bundles, you know, the majority of, of the people that these are geared towards are young professionals, millennials, people 22 to 34, so people just straight out of college or you know with a little bit of work experience that don't want to spend $150, $200 a month on a cable bill, but they're willing to spend 50 for you know their best, their favorite channels, um, and then you know 70 or 80 dollars a month on broadband. So they might not be saving a whole lot of money. But it's a digital clutter in their lives that are gone, and they feel a little bit better about that. Okay. Anything else that we need to know, do you think, from this Apple story and 
uh, rolling out services down the road? I think what you're seeing right now in, in terms of the media names, I think that it would be probably in their best interest to really work with Apple as fast as they possibly can to get this service out because they need some kind of good publicity. There really hasn't been anything in the past few weeks, and stocks tend to trade on perception, at least in the short term. You know, fundamentals will always win out in the long term, but they need some kind of good publicity, at least, you know, within the next couple of months. Otherwise, it's going to be tough if you're a media investor. Thanks very much for joining us. That's Chris Siaccio with TheStreet.com, uh, tech editor, and he writes great articles. And he's writing about art- articles that we care about. This is what I find, you know, the best part about my job is, you know, we kind of get to stay young by studying. Um, it's not like college, but it's pretty darn close what people like he and I end up doing for a living. Gold climbs for a second day. This is a big story after an FOMC boost and or maybe not boost, right? Gold futures climbed, hitting uh, getting a little dovish Federal Reserve minutes. And as a slight in global stock markets increased the metal's safe haven appeal, gold is gold. That's the interesting thing about commodities. There, you know, a pound of gold is a pound of gold. A ton of gold is a ton of gold. And you can't decrease the value of it by saying, I'm going to... I'm going to increase the amount of gold in the world by, you can't make it. <laughs> it's it's kind of fixed, right? Um, unlike the dollar, unlike the, 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 the yuan, unlike, you know, the euro. There's very little manipulation that can be done. There can be more mines open and stuff like that. And you can get into the wedding seasons in Asia that kind of really spike things around. But um, am I a proponent of gold? I am not. Uh, if it were to go to 5,000 and it's currently at 1136, I, would I feel bad that I did, wasn't part of that train? No. Uh, gold to me is is a bad way to play the markets. Yeah, there's some volatility right now, but there's also some signs that you should be buying stocks instead of selling at this point. And I'd rather you pay attention to those indicators and try to figure out should you be buying small companies, should you be buying consumer products, should you be buying uh, uh, Financials, if the Fed does raise interest rates, financials are going to be kind of where you want to be. Um, but also, like I said, there's a couple of indicators you really want to pay attention to. The investor's intelligence bull bear ratio, it pulls investment pros on their market outlooks. It fell last week for a third week in a row to a 10-month low of a 2.16 reading. A 2 reading is a clear buy signal as far as uh, history goes. We're getting to the point where more people are just going, like, I'm really scared of this market. Oh, I'm I'm really scared of this market. Uh, China, U.S., you, go, you get the idea. Um, but there's also, like, the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, the put-to-call ratio, which is three, on a three-day basis, recently rose to a 0.8 rating above the 0.7, is a bullish because it represents excessive pessimism. The Ned Davis research crowd sentiment poll recently showed extreme pessimism, also bullish in the contrarian case. Essentially, people get fearful uh, a little bit too late and or in mass, and that creates a buying opportunity. So bullish insiders. Several insider sell-buy ratios have recently turned bullish as measured by the Vickers Weekly Insider. Uh, basically, the number of uh, one-week sell-buy ratio just fell to 1.32 reading. 
there's a lot of good things going on out there. The jobs number in the United States, pretty good. Not great, pretty good. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.